welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right. So my name is Micah. If we have not met, uh, I'm the pastor. One of the. Yep, I'm the pastor here at Awaken. <laughs> Um, and uh, we're really glad you're here. Man, you guys, we, this place was like full this morning. Did you feel that when we were singing? Oh my gosh, I was sitting down here just like welling up. Sound amazing, sound amazing. I don't know, maybe you're all excited about the marathon next weekend. I don't even know, I don't even know. How many of you are running the marathon next weekend? By Raise your hands if you are. We got, t- Trevor, you lie. One, two, anybody else? Two of us, Kaya's not here, but... Okay, so next weekend, when you guys are here, I will be, uh, what, 10.30? I'll be at about mile 20, so I'll be at the wall. (laughs) And evidently, there's a hill at 21 in the Twin Cities Marathon that everybody hates, coming, like, up Franklin and up up to Summit. So I'll be doing that, and uh, Jenna is going to be teaching. We're kicking off a new series next week. Very excited about that. Very excited. Um, it's called Lost in Translation. So we're going to be discussing and exploring like what I, are, what I would believe to be some of, those, some of the most misinterpreted passages in the Bible. <laughs> so Jenna next week is going to start with 2 Timothy 2. A, a woman should not teach over a man. <laughs> How you like that? Boom! In all seriousness, this is a really important one, though. So I'm really excited that uh, Jenna's like, I, th- I said, do you want to start the series or do you want to sort of do something else? And she's like, no, I'm, I'm going to start it. Let's do it. And I said, what do you want to teach? And she says, I think I have to do 2 Timothy 2. And I was like, yes, you do. <laughs> so uh, who better to teach that, right, than, uh, than our good friend Jenna? So I'm excited about that. Um, so two weeks ago, we started a series of t- today, which is, uh, of, of which today is the last day. So it's a three-week series. And we've been kind of uh, uh, appropriately in the fall, stopping and pausing and asking questions about who are we, where are we going, why are we doing the things that we do. And so uh, this is a series that we do every fall, and so it's review in some ways, but um, I, just, I, I know that there are many of you who are new to Awaken in the last year, and so it's worth repeating. And also, uh, I know that I'm terribly forgetful, and I forget, I forget what I preached about last weekend. So I can't imagine that you all remember everything that is said from the front here. Um, and uh, good leaders always are, are bringing uh, the people and their organizations back to why it is they do what they do. And so that's what this series is about. Um, so we want to stop and we want to pause. And today in particular, I want to ask some questions about just normal and natural re- repeating patterns in our lives. Um, the, uh, are there things that we want to continue to do as a church? Are there things that the scriptures say that the church should be doing, kind of ad infinitum? Uh, is there a flow or a way by which we organize ourselves as awakened? Uh, there's a book out there called Simple Church, and um, maybe you've come across it, maybe you haven't. But the authors essentially argue, they did a bunch of research, and they found that uh, they, they, they um, sampled churches as well as organizations, and they found it to be consistent across the board. And what they found was the degree of efficiency and effectiveness of an organization was directly connected to the complexity of it, right? So if it were more complex, then it was less effective, and if it was less complex, it was more effective. So the simpler the organization or the simpler the church the simpler the model or the vision, the more effective it was at actually accomplishing what it set out to do. And so in that spirit, we've sort of tried to ask a few questions uh, at Awaken that keep us narrowly uh, 
focused in a very narrow direction in terms of who are we and what do we really want to invest ourselves in, our time and our energy. So what if we developed laser-like clarity on this stuff? What if we uh, organized the movement of this church in a certain direction or towards this goal? What if we aligned our efforts and our ministry uh, to this end and this direction? I think we would sort of be poised and ready for what God might do. A good friend of mine named Steve, was uh, he's preached here before, you might remember him. He went on a sailing trip a couple weeks ago. Have you, any of you ever been sailing before? A few. I've never done it, but I've been told it's a really, really fun thing to do. I might go on this, uh, this guy's sailing trip next year. Um, but he talked about, uh, essentially, when you sail, right, you're basically setting your sails at a particular angle in hopes that you catch the wind when it blows. And there's all sorts of ways that you can determine where and when the wind is blowing. And sailing is all about having your sails set at the time, at the right time, in the right direction or at the right angle so that you can catch the momentum of the wind. And that's essentially what we want to be doing each fall, sort of saying, can we set the sails of Awaken so that when God's Spirit moves, we're ready to sort of catch that and ride that experience and that wind. Um, So we've called this series in the past Rhythms, and Rhythms by definition is a, uh, a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound, right? So a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound, um, just uh, bear with me here. If you would either grab your wrist. I can never find my pulse here. So if you want, just put your finger right on your neck, like where your heart is beating. Right, everybody feel that? You're all alive. That's good. And if, as you're doing that, you, if you close your eyes and just like listen to your own breathing. Right, it's in and out. In and out. And this is happening every second of every day. Time, right? Tick, tock, tick, tock. These regular, repeated patterns. The sun and the moon, right? It's like the waves of the ocean. This, if you've ever just sat by the ocean. I remember I went on this trip to California, uh, and it was, I was at this conference. It was literally like right in Laguna Beach, on the beach. So that's the house we were in. You open the doors, and like, there's the beach. And the first day that I was there, I was like, man, that, the waves are so loud. I couldn't hear anything. And then after I was there for a couple of days, I sat there at one moment, uh, like the second, end of the second day, and I thought, man, it's like I don't even hear the waves anymore. You just sort of, you're washed in this repeating pattern, this movement of the ocean, and you sort of settle into it. Uh, think about what happens when you come home from work or you come home from school, right? You come home, you take the keys out of the car, you walk up to your house, you walk in the door, you put your keys here, you pet the dog or you tell the dog to stop jumping on you. You say hello to your wife or your spouse, your kids, right? These sort of, in the morning when you wake up for work every day uh, or to do what you do during the day, there's a pattern, there's a habit that you've created, a rhythm to your day. I want to suggest that our lives are governed by rhythms, and the scriptures are no different, right? The scriptures say things like, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. My, this, is, this is a cup of new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Six days work is to be done, but seven on the seventh day you should rest. These are my appointed festivals, Passover, first fruits, right? Again and again, in the scriptures we find these rhythms. So I want to ask a question this morning. Are the rhythms of our lives building good things? So specifically, individually, Are the rhythms of your life, are they actually building good things? Are they life-giving? And the rhythms of our church together, are they life-giving? Are they pointing us in the direction that we want to go? 
And maybe if I were to just stop this morning, and if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want to ask you this question. What kind of rhythms would describe your life? If you were to just stop, and if somebody were to objectively sort of talk about your life, whether it be as a family unit or as an individual, how would they describe the rhythm of your life? The natural, normal, regular, repeated patterns of your life. What would, it, what would be said? Is it busy, frantic, chaotic, overflowing, too fast, too full? Or something else? Sacred, beautiful, rich. And I wanted to pause here this morning because I want to say this. I recognize there are all kinds of things in our life that we are not in control of, right? But this one, the, the trajectory, the rhythm, by way, or the rhythm by which you live your life is totally within your control. And so if the, the ways in which someone might describe the rhythm of your life are not the things that you hope for or you would want, I would suggest that that's, the ball's in your court. It's in your hands. And what does it look like to take intentional steps to move towards living a life with rhythm that moves you in the direction that you want to go instead of being sort of responding to whatever is coming? Now, I, know, I get it. There are some things you can't, you can't control. There are th- some things that are outside of your control. But how you respond and the rhythms by which you live your life, I would suggest that's in your hands. So, If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to look just briefly at the beginning of the church, and then specifically, I want to talk about some of the things that we're doing here this fall that I'm pretty excited about. So Acts chapter 2, if you know the Bible, you probably know this story. This is the beginning of the church. This is Luke's second gospel. Jesus has died. He's resurrected from the dead. He's appearing to the, the disciples, and this new thing is beginning called the church. And so in chapter 2, verse 42, actually, I'll have you stand if you can. We'll read, uh, starting in verse 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold the property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Pray with me. God, as we open the scriptures this morning, as we gather in this place, um, we want to be reminded of who it is that you have called the church, capital C, to be. We want to be reminded of the hopes and the dreams that are in your heart for this group of people that you have called out, this ecclesia, this called out group of people in the world. And so God, we recognize that we're one small part of that, that there are people all over the world gathering in your name. We ask God that you would bless it, that you would anoint it, that your work and your, uh, your kingdom, the, rule, the, the hopes and dreams of you would, would uh, be advanced around the world and in our community as well. In our own lives, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may have a seat. So it seems to me that when you read the beginning of the church, if you were to sort of take this as a case study, 
and say, are there things that we find here that you could add or that you could sort of lay over the church going forward? Are there any natural, repeated, regular patterns that we find? And I think that there are. So I want to just draw out a couple of them and then see how they sort of play into what we're doing here at Awaken. So first, if you were to look at this passage and look for a couple of different themes, I would say first and foremost, you see this group of people loving each other. You see this group of people who are meeting the needs of those around them. There's this group, they're called out. Uh, My friend Andrew was here last week. He talked about ekklesia, this Greek word that was never used before in relation to the church, but then it is by Paul. He sort of co-opts it, and it's, it's this gathering of people who was sort of come out of the town or out of their homes to the edge of the town at the gates, and they would talk about the civil uh, discourse of the city and how to protect it and how it would fare and all this other stuff. So this gets translated to the church. So this group of people, this called-out group, you find them loving one another well. This loving one another, this is about deep and meaningful relationships and friendships. This is about being invited into one another's homes. It's about... It's about community and growing together. We have this list of words over here, sort of DNA or values, things that we want to say are, that we're about. And community is one of them. This is about helping each other out or helping each other live into and out of who God has called you to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I need help there. Uh, often I forget uh, exactly what it is I'm to be doing or who it is that God's called me to be. And, and friends around me help me. They, they call me out or they encourage me to continue to doing what I should be doing or want to be doing. This is about meeting one another's needs. This is about meals and house, painting houses and fixing decks and visiting each other when we're sick or, in, or discouraged. It's not only about caring for one another, but it's also about caring uh, about the growth of our relationship with God. It's about us growing in maturity and in discipleship. I'm not really interested in like a church growth strategy, right? If you know me well enough, you've been around Awaken, I don't talk about that a lot. But what I am interested in and what I think the church should be interested in is people who are growing in their faith and maturing in faith, that they are not the same this year as they were last year, but that you've woken up to some ways in which God has invited you into. You've, you've, you've come alive to some things, some ways of being in the world that maybe you didn't know before. So that we'd be maturing and growing and healthy, healthy trees bear fruit, right? So we see this group of people loving each other, but we also see them loving the world around them, right? There was, they, they sort of sold their possessions or they gathered their resources together and they met the needs of those around them, the world around them. If you know anything about the church in the first century, this was a very interesting time and place. And the church, historians would say that the church became the church or the church grew as it did because of some of the specific things that they did. In the Roman Empire, it was very common for babies to be abandoned, where if a particular baby was born of a certain sex, uh, that wasn't advantageous, and so often they were discarded. The church of Jesus found themselves taking in these orphans and raising them as their own. There were widows, people whose husbands died. And if you know anything about this culture, it was very, very patriarchal. And if you didn't have a husband who provided for you, you were somewhat sunk. You were sort of up the creek without a paddle. And so you found the church taking in these widows and these orphans and caring for them. The people in society who were discarded and unwanted or not, uh, there was no advantage to have them, and they took them in and started loving them and caring for them. And people just couldn't figure out why. They loved the people around them and the world around them. So this is about recognizing that God has invited us into something. We've talked about this. That God began a project at the cross and in the resurrection invites us into this thing called redemption, this reconciliation of all things. 
So it's about partnering with the Spirit that's doing this thing in the world, about living on mission. This is about what is in your hands. I begin with the assumption that every single person in this room has something in their hands that God has uniquely crafted you to do in the world. Now, some people call it calling, some people call it mission. I just think that you are specific and unique, and you have something that is a gift to the world. Whether you're an accountant or a teacher or a real estate agent or a mom or uh, uh, an actuary or you build stuff, every single person in this room has something in their hands. And so the question then is, have, do you know what that is, and have you connected that to the work of God in the world? A lot of people go through their whole lives doing what they do, never connecting it to this invitation that God has given to say, would you use that in partnership with what I'm up to so that we can build a, better, a beautiful world and bring the kingdom of God here as it is in heaven? That was Jesus' prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. So loving the world is, is about knowing what's in your hands. So we see this group of people loving each other, loving the world, and then celebrating and telling the story of Jesus. Weekly, they would gather at the temple courts and they would do this thing. And it's taken all kinds of shapes and sizes throughout church history. But regardless, Hebrews talks about not forgetting to meet with one another for encouragement and for teaching and growing in your relationship with the Lord. So, as I read this text, these are a couple of repeating patterns that we see. Loving each other, loving the world, and celebrating this story and this person of Jesus. So when we talk about Awaken, let me transition to some uh, a bit more specific, a little pragmatic here. Uh, And I've got some slides I want to put up here. Um, When we talk about Awaken, some of you, if you've been through Discover Awaken, you might have seen this before. But when we think about this organization as a community, as a church, if we can only spend time on a few things, what are those things? Anybody ever had In-N-Out before? In-N-Out burgers? How many of you like In-N-Out? Yes, yes, it's quite possibly the best fast food restaurant out there, I would argue. They do one thing, and they do it better than everybody else. They make hamburgers, right? It's like the hedgehog. If you know that story, the hedgehog, it it doesn't do much, but it protects itself better than everybody else. So it knows what it does well. If we can only do some things, we can't do everything, what is it that we want to do and focus on? So we talk about these rhythms, where we talk about Sunday morning as is this loving, uh, celebrating, gathering together to celebrate, tell this story of Jesus, right? We talk about in where uh, groups, uh, not yet, sorry, uh, groups. So when uh, loving each other well, how do we do that? This answers that question. And then out. This talks about loving the world and serving. So if you want to go to that next slide, I'll talk a little bit about each of them. So Sunday morning, this gathering that we do every single Sunday, this is part of our life together. It cannot be, please hear me, it cannot be the only thing that we do together. If it is, it reflects our culture more than it does the gospel. Can I get an amen on that one? If this is all we do, and this is all you experience of Awaken, you are absolutely and utterly missing out. This is important. It is not the end. It cannot be. John is really great. He's an unbelievable musician and a great worship leader, right? This experience cannot and will not satisfy you. I hear people all the time. They come, they, they love what happens at Awaken, and then three to four months later, they leave. And if I get the chance to talk to them and ask, what, what, what was missing? Do you want to know what they say? Community. They didn't meet anybody. They didn't find anybody to connect with. They didn't find anybody who they were really inside of in with. This is terrible for relationships. Can I say that out loud? 
Okay? You can't do Sunday morning and actually build friendships here. There's too many people in the room. I try to get around on Sundays to meet some of you when I, when I don't recognize you. Inevitably, I'm talking to somebody. I'm like, oh, please, don't leave yet. There's just too many people here. This is good for something, but it is not good for relationships. So we're always asking the question, how do we make Awaken smaller? Because this cannot be the place where you connect. Now you can make some friendships and, and go from here. But this is for something. When we do Sunday mornings, we want to set the table for this community to experience God. That's the purpose of it, all right? This is one of the environments that we want to focus on. Next slide, if you would. This in question, right? Loving each other well. We talk about groups, and I want to focus on just a couple of them and something that's very new that I'm really excited about for this year. Um, How many of you are in a life group right now? Go ahead and raise your hand, if you would. Raise it high, raise it high. Okay, lots of you are in life groups. Life groups are 8 to 15 people Um, who meet outside of Sunday morning, creating space for authentic relationships. This is the main vehicle that we have invested time and energy and resource in for people to connect outside of Sunday morning. If you, if you come here and you're like, what's the next step for me? This would be one of my, like, first, uh, directions I would point you. Jane, if you know Jane, she is investing a, a huge majority of her time this year encouraging and developing and training and and caring for the life group leaders who lead life groups. So if you're interested in being in a life group and you're not, please talk to me. Please talk to Jane. If you've thought, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a there's a, an awakening that's happening to me, something I could sort of step out and do for the first time. Maybe lead a life group. We we have how many people that are waiting in life groups, Jane? 25 people who want to be in a life group but we don't have leaders to lead them. So, we have needs, friends. Uh, I have a lot of needs. I can tell you all about them. This church has a number of needs. So life groups is one of, the, one of the groups that we talk about. Covenant groups is something that's new this year. Last year, I took 15 people, and I invested in them over the course of a year. We met at 6 a.m. on Wednesday mornings. The men met the first and third. The women met the second and fourth weeks. And I just poured myself into these people doing two things. One, studying together, scripture. And two, this sort of guided discussion about what does it mean to really be a disciple? What does it mean to really, if you're serious about growing in your faith, what does that look like? I asked them last year, I said, I want to do this for you. And if you say yes to this, then you're saying yes to doing it next year. And if you can't say yes to next year, then don't say yes to this year. So we have 15 people who have been trained and who are now starting covenant groups. These are essentially... um, how, if, I want, if I'm serious about growing in my faith and, being, uh, uh, and maturing, what does that look like? And so there are a number of you who have been invited into these, these covenant groups, and they're going to start meeting very soon. Now, if you're not in a covenant group and you want to be, this is, uh, I, would, I, would, I would ask this of you. Uh, I am trying to take the long view of this thing, and we're trying to build a system and a structure that will support this community. And that takes time. So this year we have 15 leaders. This next year we're going to be training more leaders to do this. So if you're interested, hang tight. In the meantime, part of Covenant Groups is this Socratic study. Um, You may have heard me talk about this rabbi guy, Rabbi Allen, right? Uh, There isn't a single person in my life who has challenged me and, and changed the way I read and study scripture more than Rabbi Allen. And over the last couple of years he's taught me how to teach this way. And so last year was my first crack at it. We did it with, this co- with these covenant groups. So I'm super excited this year. We want to start offering this kind of study at Awaken. So many of you have come to me and said, hey, I'm interested in like, learning to study the Bible more. What does that look like? If you want to go to that next slide, if you would. In a month, we're going to offer four different 
Socratic studies. Socratic, if you remember Socrates, right? This is just question-based learning. It's very rabbinic. So the first Sunday night of every month, 6.30, the first Wednesday morning of every month, 6 a.m., this is for the f- not for the faint of heart, uh, the first Wednesday night of every month, 6.30 p.m., and then the second Wednesday at 6.30 I'll be teaching two of those, and I'll be teaching Genesis chapter 1. We're going to do a whole year in Genesis 1 on the, the seven days of creation. My friend Steph Spencer is going to be teaching in the Psalms, and then my friend Rick Patton, who started this whole rabbi thing, will be teaching in basically Torah. Rick is a loose cannon. He, he goes all over the place. So I said, just stay in the Torah and pick something. Who knows where, you're, where you'll end up? Nobody knows. So if you like choose your own adventure, study with Rick. All right? So if you're interested in, in this, these are open to anybody, right? And I would just say this about Socratic study. The more you can commit to something, uh, the more you can commit to one of these groups, the, the more it will give, right? The, when you study together and there's a consistent base of people, you build trust with one another, and it's uh, the, the places you can go and the things that God has done in our little group too has been incredible. So we want to invite you to that. These will all be on the website, by the way. And then lastly... Uh, this one. So this is the last environment, or this part of our rhythms, right? We love God, we love each other, try to, and then love the world that we find ourselves in. Elaine, if you've met her, she's on our core team, and she's helping us discern and, and gra- gathering a group of people to this goal. By the end of, or a year from now, can we find two local partners and one global partner that we can begin to pour ourselves out into? whether that's a life group who would, who would help serve or come together and serve or all awaken opportunities. But now that we find ourselves here in this neighborhood and in this place, we want to begin asking the question or continue to ask the question, where is God at work and how do we get involved in that? So we're in the process of trying to find out what's, what's happening in this neighborhood and, and what is God up to. And so we want to continue. Because again, you ha- if you breathe in, at some point you have to breathe out or you die. Not a trick question. It's got to go both ways, right? If we just keep coming and doing this and feeding every, you all get fat and overweight and then you die. But if you exercise and you breathe and there's output and there's input and output, we're healthy people, right? This is just common sense. So we got to do both. Now let me end with this. I wanted to take this morning to just highlight some of the very like practical things that we're trying to do this fall. And each fall we do this to say, God, where are you at? What are you up to? What are you inviting us into? And so there's some things that we're focusing on, right? Life groups and Socratic study and these groups that we do. These have to be healthy if we're going to continue to be this kind of church. And then, God, where are you working and how do we get involved in that, in this neighborhood? This group of people that we read about in the scriptures, a minority, a marginalized group of people on the backside, the underside of the most powerful military force that the planet has ever known. Well, one could argue on that one. Either way, a a minority group of people who literally turned the empire upside down because they were all NASA scientists and had these unbelievably complex... No, no. Because they loved each other well, they loved the world that they found themselves in, and they told the story of the resurrected Jesus as if it actually happened. (coughs) And God added to their number daily, it says. 
When I think about, when I dream about, when I pray about this church, my prayer as of late has been, God, please, would you do something that only you can take credit for? This year, as we sort of lean into a new uh, ministry calendar, my prayer for us has been, God, would you do something that only you can take credit for? Wouldn't it be wild to be able to tell the stories of what God has been doing that only we could give God credit for? Because we loved each other well, and we loved the world that we found ourselves in well, and we celebrated and told the story of Jesus together. It's not rocket science. It's actually quite simple. And yet some of the most simple things are the most difficult to do well, right? So that's our challenge. That's our effort. That's our task. And so this morning we'll end as we turn our attention to this table, which I think is a a fitting way to maybe close our time together, Uh, this table of communion. So I'm going to invite the band to come and they'll lead us as we participate in this and just some instructions on kind of how this will go the next couple of minutes. Um, I'm going to offer a time of silence in just a moment um, for us to think and reflect and respond to whatever God might be doing in us. Maybe there's something that you feel God inviting you to. So it'll be a time of silence. The kids are going to come up and we give them honey. We dip a, a, a stick in honey and say, may the word of God be like honey on your lips. And then after that, uh, you all will be invited to come to this table. There will be bread, and you're invited to take the bread and dip it into the cup. And this is, um, people say that the presence of God is here in communion in some mysterious and divine way. And I say, if that's true, then, hey, we should, why would we deny that to anybody who wants it? Right? So, if you want to come and receive communion, because this is the way it works, right? God is broken and the body is broken and the blood is poured out for the healing of the world. And as we participate in the life of God together and we are broken and poured out, we come back to this table almost rhythmically <laughs> to receive grace and forgiveness and hear the words, the body broken for you, the blood poured out for you. And we take it in. And we hope and pray that God continues to rebuild and restore and remake and renew us as we give ourselves away to the world. So, silence, the kids will come, and then after which, uh, the servers will be up here, and uh, you're invited to come. There's gluten-free options over here on my right, your left. Um, so, let me offer a word of prayer, and then we'll move into this time. God, we ask that as we gather this morning in this place, uh, my prayer is that you would not allow us to forget uh, who it is that you've called the church to be, God, that this would never become something that is focused on itself, but rather uh, you would remind us that we exist for something else. That while we are fed and while we grow and while we mature and love each other, it's for the purpose of being poured out for the healing of the world, for your work of reconciliation and redemption. So whatever it is you're calling each of us into this morning, God, In this moment of silence, would you just speak that very clearly and very loudly to us, I pray. May you recognize the rhythms of God around you. May we learn to love another well as we grow together. May we be broken and poured out as we love the world. 
And may we always be found celebrating and telling of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.